0: Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck daily podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: Welcome, friends, family, countrymen, Americans, people from all over the world, actually. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you here with me. Thank you so much. It is an honor and a privilege to get a chance to speak with you all. Let's jump right into it. There was a bit of a recuperation process yesterday for the media. They had to dust themselves off a bit. They were still uh, in a state of shock after President Trump had recovered so quickly from the COVID-19 circumstance in the hospital. At least he's not better. He's not 100 percent fine. But we know that there are a lot of people right now who are trying to figure out how they keep the narrative going of be terrified of COVID even though President Trump, a 74-year-old man who has some additional aggravating factors, perhaps for COVID, has been able to do quite well. And in a sense, he's now a big test case for a lot of people as to how much better the treatment has gotten. Uh, everything that he has received is available to the general public. But no, it's still so important for everyone to be terrified all the time. Don't look at the numbers. Don't look at what's actually happened here no no that would be uh, that would be way too rational you are supposed to be afraid be very afraid is what the media is telling you that is what they believe and uh, and they want to make sure you believe it too you have no other means in this process there's no other way for you to go and that's why you've got people like uh, Cuomo out there saying no no you got to be terrified all the time play three
2: From a public service point of view, two hundred and ten thousand people died. More people uh, die in this country than uh, countries around the world that were doing much uh, worse than we were. From a public service point of view, don't be afraid of covid. No, be afraid of covid. It can kill you. Don't be cavalier. This is just more denial. This is where it started. And, you know, the president, God bless him, he tells you where he's going. We know that when COVID started, he knew how bad it was going to be. And he just lied about it.
1: You know, if it wasn't for that guy, the governor of New York, the U.S. overall per 100,000 death rate for COVID would be better than most, if not all, large European countries. The outlier in the United States of all of the different places that have had major waves of COVID is in fact, New York and New Jersey by far the worst outcome, by far the highest death toll per capita, nowhere else really even comes close. Even still well, with the, the waves that have hit over the summer and the sunbelt and California's bikes in cases, New York was by far the worst and he is lecturing the rest of the country, really just lecturing Trump supporters about how outrageous what the president said is. remember, he says don't let it dominate your life. Trump says don't let it dominate your life. Don't be afraid of it all the time. And they're saying no, let it dominate your life. That is what we have set up for you. We insist that you in are you live in constant fear of this thing that you not allow yourself a moment's reprieve from being in this state of panic. It's completely outrageous but that is very important to them right now it's very important to them because they understand a country that feels optimistic a country that thinks things are actually going pretty well you know the economy is recovering it's coming back biden will make it much worse make it much slower the whole thing will go in the other direction i think we all know that because they never learned the lesson they never learned any of the lessons of history about their policies otherwise they couldn't support them today What do you think Biden's going to make the economy strong? This whole build back better thing. What does Joe Biden know about making things better for the American people who actually have to go to work and run a business? Do You think the Democrats care about all the service workers who are out of a job right now? No, if anything, they want to continue as soon as they're in charge. So they get the political credit for it. They want to continue with what's a de facto universal basic income, a UBI. Send people checks every month. That's fine. You don't want to work. We'll send you a check every month. This was an idea that was talked about the Democrat primary, most notably by Andrew Yang. It's actually one of the least annoying of the uh, Democrat candidates, although so that's not saying all that much. And now they see a pathway to it, increasing the welfare state, increasing dependency on the government, forcing people to be less autonomous, less self-sufficient. They like this. That's all to the good as far as Democrats are concerned. You know, you'll have the elites, the people that write the checks so that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer keep getting elected. They're fine. They get to work remotely. Nothing changes for them. But for people that are lower down on the economic ladder, people that are just trying to make a living, hourly workers. Guess what? Too bad if they have to shut down again for another six months under Biden administration. Uh, But don't worry, they'll send them a check. Notice how that's going to change the perception that all of us have about being dependent on government. It's not a choice. When the government says you can't open your bar, you can't operate your restaurant. It's not up to you. They're going to shut you down. In fact, we just saw last night in Brooklyn, de Blasio sending in the NYPD, the mayor of New York City, sent in the NYPD to uh, break up a demonstration of Orthodox Jews who were like, we're done with all this lockdown stuff. So just harassing that community, they're outside, doesn't matter, not allowed to do it. If there were a Black Lives Matter protest, the city would roll out the red carpet. Then it's all fine. Then then everyone can think that this is wonderful. And, of course, no COVID risk. Black Lives Matter, you know, who needs social distancing when you have social justice? Wokeness is a special protection from viruses. You may have just figured this out. So this is where we are. This is the situation in which we find ourselves. It's completely... It's completely mind blowing that the Democrats are going to just cling to the most panic narrative possible until the election, irrespective of what it does to the country and what it means for the American people. They simply do not care. And they also don't mind how much they have to lie to you. They will. I mean, here's Biden who's going to have uh, his his veep would be veep Kamala Harris tonight spewing all kinds of nonsense on that stage. And the media is going to go overtime trying to support her right whatever they have to do they'll do they're in this they're, you know they're in this to win this folks i mean the media not the democrat party they're making sure that their preferred candidate's going to get through this but biden will say things that i know mean, no intelligent serious person can believe this at this point here he is telling you that wearing a mask is not is not political play 5 it's estimated
2: that nearly another 210,000 Americans could lose their lives by the end of the year. Enough. No more. Let's just set partisanship aside. Let's end the politics and follow the science. Wearing a mask, wearing a mask is not a political statement. It's a scientific recommendation. Social distancing isn't a political statement. It's a scientific recommendation. Testing, tracing, the development... And all of the approval and distribution of a vaccine isn't a political statement. It is a science-based decision. We can't undo what has been done. We can't go back. But we can do so much better. We can do better starting today. We can have a national strategy that puts politics aside and saves lives. We can have a national strategy that will make it possible for our schools and businesses to open safely. We can have a national strategy that reflects the true values of this nation.
1: I mean, I I just, this guy is full of so much bull, it's amazing that he's actually even in contention to be the president. Never mind ahead in a lot of the national polls you're seeing, which I don't particularly believe, but that's where it is right now. He's the one that wants the lockdowns. Remember that. He's the one that wants the lockdowns, but he says, we're going to find a way to open up. No, the Democrats are the ones saying, lock it down. They can't have it both ways. They're the ones that have been pushing for schools to be locked down going into the election, which was a completely unjustified decision from a purely scientific standpoint. Outrageous. But they don't care. They don't care about all the suffering from all these people. They're just using the death toll of COVID for political purposes right now. Nobody wanted any of those people to die. It's been horrible. But we've been doing all the things that Biden says he's going to do. He speaks about this like it's some revolutionary new plan they've got. Oh, we're going to social distance and mask. We've been doing this crap for now, what, seven, eight months? How much longer are we supposed to do this? It hasn't worked. If you look at the data, it shows that there are places where after mask mandates went into effect as a matter of law. Things got even worse. So what what is he even saying? Oh, we could be better. Trump didn't do a good enough job. He didn't protect you from this virus. Take a look at what's going on in Argentina right now, which has one of the highest COVID positivity rates in the entire world for all the tests that it's, for the tests that it's running. It's not testing as much as other places are, but it's got over 20,000 deaths. Argentina has a much smaller population than a lot of these countries we're talking about. 20,000 deaths from COVID-19. And those I'm, I'm assuming are actually directly from COVID as opposed to the with COVID deaths that absolutely have been calculated in this country. So we have an inflated COVID death figure. Look, I'm not saying it's I have no idea, by the way, how inflated it is. We do know that there are at least thousands, if not tens of thousands of cases of people based on the way that they're tabulating these things. That should not be considered COVID deaths. But look, if it's 50,000 people dying from COVID, 100,000 people dying from COVID, it's horrible. And that's clearly the case. We've lost a lot of people to this virus. There's no question. But ultimately, it's about the country having an adult conversation with itself. All of us talking to each other and saying, look, we're doing what we can, but this virus is spreading and has been spreading. And all the people who have been saying, just do this, just do that. It'll stop it. It'll fix it. We're wrong. They've just been wrong. It hasn't worked. You think if Joe Biden's in charge, all of a sudden there's going to no, there's just going to be more mask shaming. More people who are outside going for a bike ride who are told, where's your mask? More people who are walking alone on a nature hike. This actually happened to a friend of mine and somebody passed from 20 feet away out in the woods. Where's your mask? Oh, it's not political. Well, then are are, people either have politicized this or they're too stupid to have a conversation about what's actually a safety measure versus what is just a waste of everybody's time. And it's and it's annoying. It's harassment. I know. Look, I'm, I'm not giving up on this one because I think a lot of our a lot of people on our side were just going along. Oh, let's show some good faith. We don't want I don't want to have this fight right now. Come on. I don't want to be wearing a mask. It's it's annoying, but I'll go along with it. And look, I've been beaten down by it, too. You want to be the one person in New York City? I mean, it's basically like walking around with a MAGA hat on now. If you wear if you don't wear a mask outside, that's how people view it in this city. And I'm sure that's true in other places as well, which, of course, is insane. But whether they wanted it to become one or not, and I think they did, it is a political statement. So why lie about it? Why is Joe Biden and all these other Democrat politicians, why do they have masks on their avatars on Twitter? Why are their social media accounts all changed out so their their official photo has a mask on? Oh, because that's really that's inspiring people to mask up. I don't give a crap what these politicians do with their with their own you know, medical decisions and safety. That's up to them. Not gonna say, oh, well, if Joe Biden's wearing a mask, I better wear one too. But it's all symbolic, friends. It's symbolic of control. They're trying to see how much they can make you do and what they can get away with. And unfortunately, they've gotten away with far too much. Unfortunately, we're at a point now where we're just negotiating over how deep the tyranny will run instead of whether we're actually going to get our freedom back. I'm hoping this will start to change. I'll tell you in just a little bit about Thousands of scientists, doctors, researchers who were saying these lockdowns are horrible. It is not scientific. It needs to stop. The Great Barrington Declaration. Why? Why aren't you hearing about this in other places? Why isn't this the number one story on every conservative site in the country? I, I can't tell you. No, let's have a bunch of people do the same five things to look for. in tonight's vice presidential debate. and This is what everyone does. OK. You know, I got We got to cover our bases. And there's a vice presidential debate tonight. But this declaration out of Great Barrington, Massachusetts, is honestly, it should be the end of all of this stuff that we're seeing with the lockdowns. It should be all over, done, tomorrow, finished. And these are scientists. That's what they're saying. But nope, not going to happen. People don't want to admit that they're wrong and they don't want to give up control. And they're pretending that this is about keeping you safe. Here's here's the truth. They can't keep you safe and they don't care. And that's why when Trump says, don't let this dominate your life, don't be afraid all the time, it enrages them so much because that's what they want. And they've gotten used to it. And now just Trump saying that takes away some of the power that they've accumulated. And so they react with rage at this, particularly the journos who I don't know who the worst people are in America, journalists or mask shamers, although there's obviously a lot of crossover there.
0: Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com.
1: The Great Barrington Declaration. This should be for conservative outlets, uh, for, for news outlets across the country. This should be a top news story, and they're not telling you about this. Wall Street Journal had a piece on it today. I mean, it's, it's starting to get out there, but why isn't everyone pointing to this we're always told listen to the scientists that's what they say all the scientists believe and then they fill in something all the doctors tell you and then they say their preferred you know mask mania lockdown talking points well this is a declaration that you need to hear and it is as of this show have been signed by 3298 medical and public health scientists and over 5000 M.D.'s doctors, not like Jill Biden doctors. I mean, real doctors. She's a Ph.D. in bureaucracy, Uh, real doctors. So that's that's and these are people that when you hear their credentials, I'll get to you will say, are they crazy? Did Trump brainwash them? Did did they not understand something about wear a mask? This is what they write. The Great Barrington Declaration as infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focused protection. Coming from both the left and the right and around the world, we have devoted our careers to protecting people. Current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short and long term public health. The results, to name a few, include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings and deteriorating mental health, leading to greater excess mortality in years to come with the working class and younger members of society carrying the heaviest burden. Keeping students out of school is a grave injustice. Keeping these measures in place until a vaccine is available will cause irreparable damage with the underprivileged disproportionately harmed. Fortunately, our understanding of the virus is growing. We know that vulnerability to death from COVID-19 is more than a thousand fold higher in the old and infirm than the young. Indeed, for children, COVID-19 is less dangerous than many other harms, including influenza. As immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including the vulnerable, falls. We know that all populations will eventually reach herd immunity, the point at which the rate of new infections is stable and that this can be assisted but is not dependent upon a vaccine. Our goal should therefore be to minimize mortality and social harm until we reach herd immunity. The most compassionate approach that balances the risks and benefits of reaching herd immunity is to allow those who are at minimal risk of death to live their lives normally to build up immunity to the virus through natural infection while better protecting those who are at highest risk. We call this focused protection. Adopting measures to protect the vulnerable should be the central aim of public health responses to COVID-19. By way of example, nursing homes should use staff with acquired immunity and perform frequent PCR testing of other staff and all visitors. Staff rotation should be minimized. Retired people living at home should have groceries and other essentials delivered to their home. When possible, they should meet family members outside rather than inside. A comprehensive and detailed list of measures, including approaches to multi-generational households, can be implemented and as well within the scope and capability of public health professionals. Those who are not vulnerable should immediately be allowed to resume life as normal. Simple hygiene measures such as handwashing and staying home when sick should be practiced by everyone to reduce the herd immunity threshold. Schools and universities should be open for in-person teaching extracurricular activities such as sports should be resumed young low-risk adults should work normally rather than from home restaurants and other businesses should open and arts music sports and other cultural activities should resume people who are more at risk may participate if they wish while society as a whole enjoys the protection conferred upon the vulnerable by those who have built up herd immunity now you might be saying uh okay hold on a second why? Why haven't I heard about this? Why haven't more people been told about this? Uh, this was just signed on October 4th. It's October 7th. But, oh, you know, it must be because these are you know what you always hear when people oppose the lockdown stuff. These are quacks. That's what they'll say. These are quacks. They'll tell you um, that they, they don't they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what's going on in society and they're just full of it. Right. Okay. well, um, here are some of the people that are a part of this. Here are some of the people that have signed their names to it already. Dr. Martin Koldorf, professor of medicine at Harvard University, a biostatician, an epidemiologist with expertise in detecting and monitoring of infectious disease outbreaks and vaccine safety evaluations. Dr. Sunetra Gupta, professor at Oxford University, an epidemiologist with expertise in immunology. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, professor at Stanford University Medical School, a physician, epidemiologist, health economist. Dr. Sucharit Bhakti, professor of medical microbiology, University of Manns, Germany. Dr. Rajiv Bhatia, physician with the uh, Veterans Administration, epidemiology. Professor Stephen Bremner, professor of medical statistics, Brighton and Sussex Medical School, UK go on it goes on and on and on i mean more uh you've got you know massachusetts general hospital on here department of clinical microbiology tel aviv university israel professor of math, math uh, of mathematics focusing on population and evolutionary theory and infectious disease epidemiology in glasgow it just goes on and on and on top institutions in the world have some of their top people that are saying, stop this lockdown crap now. It's not working. It's damaging. It's wrong. Focused protection. Protect those at risk. Everyone else, go back to normal life. Acceptable risk for them. Some of us have been saying to do this for six months just because you're rational, have good judgment and wisdom, understand what the heck's actually going on. Does anyone really believe that we're going to be Uh, We're going to have a 95 percent compliance rate for social distancing and mask wearing. That's insane. And think of the costs of this, too. It's outrageous. Focus protection is the answer. The Trump administration should be all over this. I I don't know what to say other than we've got to tell people we've got to spread the word. This is what the scientists are saying.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the best of Buck daily podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show.
1: All right, team. Back in action with us now is the one and only Dinesh D'Souza. He's a best selling author, commentator. I'm sure you know him from his many books, but his movie, because he's also a filmmaker, The Trump Card is out this Friday. You can watch it at home on demand. So it couldn't be any easier. I'm going to be watching it this weekend. Check it out yourself. TrumpCardTheMovie.com. Dinesh, so good to have you back.
3: Hey, it's always a pleasure. Great to be back.
1: So we have a vice presidential debate going on tonight. Are, are you are you hopeful that this is going to be meaningful in any way, Dinesh? Uh, what, what is what's your mindset going into this? I mean, I'm assuming you're probably going to watch, but what do you think?
3: No, I'll watch for sure. You know, I'm always a little bit nervous when you have a sort of white bread Republican going up against uh, somebody who we know is going to play both the race card and the gender card. So. Kamala Harris's best credentials for being vice president, she's or the vice presidential nominee, she's a woman of color, and so she's going to go, I think, hard against Mike Pence. And the typical Republican has never known how to handle this. Uh, Trump is about the only guy who takes it in stride. So I'm a little nervous that Pence, you know, we don't want him to go into the fetal position. We don't want him to, to go under the desk. We want him, in his calm, methodical way, to to strike back and to strike back effectively in the Trumpian mode, although obviously using Pence's kind of clinical style. So I'm very interested to see how he handles Kamala Harris. It could be he could he could have a big win. But to do that, he has to be a little bit fearless.
1: If you were advising uh, the vice president on what he should focus on, either areas where he should attack the Biden-Harris message uh, or, or just places where you think that he should really hammer home the most positive aspects of what Trump uh, Trump has done that would really resonate right now.
3: Where where would you tell him to go? Well, I think in terms of the general argument, um, it could be that Pence is even better than Trump in just laying out the counter narrative, because Trump doesn't really do narrative. Trump is really good at the zinger. Trump has a, a sort of uh, a fearlessness that is unmatched in the Republican party. But what Pence could do is tell a story. So for example, Uh, Trump said to Biden in the debate, you know, isn't it true that your son Hunter Biden uh, got $3.5 million from a Russian oligarch? But what Pence can do is give the backstory, which is that the Biden family has been running this family racket now for a while. He's always takes a family member when he goes on foreign trips While Biden is having official meetings, the family member is cutting side deals with government officials from foreign countries, resulting in large transfers of cash into the Biden coffers. So this is a systematic racket, similar to the Clinton racket, although they use the Clinton Foundation. Biden kind of uses his extended family. Um, So Pence can lay all this out. What I'm worried about is if Kamala Harris goes full racial on Pence, I would, have adv- I would advise Pence to say, hey, listen, Kamala, this is really strange because you are descended from the largest slave owner in Jamaica, a guy who owned five plantations and over 200 slaves. So you're actually descended from the slave owner side. You really can't claim victim status. Isn't it true that all the privileges you've enjoyed in life, private schools, expensive colleges, all the benefits, access to political power, isn't that all due to your slave owner privilege? If I think this is the way to fight with these people, it'll shut them up right away. But if you don't go there, if you if like McCain, you keep all this stuff off the table, then I think it's going to be a long night. We're
1: well, speaking to Dinesh D'Souza, author and uh, filmmaker's movie, The Trump Card, out this Friday. Trumpcardthemovie.com to go check it out on demand. You watch it right at home. I'm going to do it this weekend. You all should, too. Dinesh, the Trump return to the White House from Walter Reed. I think it was, in real time, the biggest meltdown that I've seen the media have. Maybe, well, there was the RBG passing. But then, before that, it might be the election itself. I mean, I, I saw people talking about how he looked like Mussolini. He should be, char- major media figures. He should be charged with manslaughter. And, and there was a really clear point that was made because Trump said, don't live in fear and let this dominate your life. Isn't isn't it clear to any American now who's paying attention that the Democrat Party, the media response to this is, no, you have to let it dominate your life. In fact, you have to let us dominate your life by doing exactly what we tell you to do.
3: For sure. Look, these uh, first of all, the position that we have to live with coronavirus. This was going to be the Democratic position on November 4th if they win the election. So we know that that means that their current position is a fake. Uh, They're just putting it on uh, and they're putting it on for a political purpose. Uh, now with Trump, they were dying. They so much wanted to see him on a stretcher. They wanted to see him getting oxygen. They wanted him on a ventilator. They wanted him to look weak. They were hoping that like Boris Johnson in England, he would go into the ICU. You know, the guy's in his 70s. He's supposedly in a vulnerable group. But unbelievably, 48 hours later, he basically comes cartwheeling out of the hospital room. You know, he's taking a ride around the town. And he says nothing more than what FDR said in the Depression. We have nothing to fear so much as fear itself. That is Trump's message. Whereas the Democratic message, a complete loser, be afraid, be very afraid.
1: What do you think honestly happens after November 3rd, if Biden ha- ends up winning this thing, what what do the next six months for America look
3: like? So it's customary for people to say this is the most consequential election. But we've heard that before. Here's how I, I see it. If Trump loses and Biden wins, there will be a systematic coordinated campaign to eradicate not just Trump, but what you can call Trumpism from American public life. And that means going after all those of us who have been seen as sympathetic to Trump, uh, trying to discredit us, trying to make it look like we were some temporary, ugly stain on the American landscape that should never be allowed to happen again. Now, if Trump wins, on the other hand, he has the chance to do what Reagan did in the second term, consolidate the gains of the first term. I mean, he's had three Supreme Court nominations in the first term, you could have one or two more. He could make the court single-handedly by himself. So Trump can have an impact not just on public policy, not just on the court, but I think even on the culture. America was a different place after two terms of Reagan than it had been before. And I would say the Reagan revolution didn't end until 2008. So it was a 25-year phenomenon. And Trump can, who is Trump is clearly a consequential president like Reagan, and he could have some of that same enduring impact. What do
1: you think it's going to take For the American people to finally say or enough, I should say, the American people, because I I do believe that in places like Los Angeles and New York City, there are folks who if they were told you got a shelter in place, we need at least two or three more years before we really test out. the, They would do it. I mean, I live next to them. I know there are people in my building, Dinesh, who wear there's a there's a couple that wears a full head to toe hazmat suit every time they go outside. I've seen them. I don't want to be mean, so I don't take photos, but it's crazy. Uh, what is it going to take for enough of us to say that enough is enough? I mean, what do we do to get to that place? And do you think the president can pull us out of this panic induced national coma?
3: I I think he can. And I think the way to do it um, is you have to have uh, you may call them pioneers. In this case, Florida is a pioneer, just like worldwide in the coronavirus um, battle. Sweden was a pioneer. Sweden said, we're not going to do that. We're going to stay open. Uh, We're gonna be cautious, but we're not closing anything. Uh, Cafes are open, banks are open, offices are open. And now let's see, the same thing is going on right now with Florida. Florida has no restrictions, no mask requirements. Uh, Everything is open. And if Florida doesn't have a massive spike, uh, that frightens the state into going into shutdown. Then that's that shows the way for. Uh, Desantis becomes a scout who is showing the way for the rest of us. So that's the way you do it. You're braver than the next guy. You go out front and you prove it can be done. Um, look, there's a um, the politics of fear works for the Democrats. FDR discovered that in the 30s against the backdrop of the depression. Now again, the depression was real. The fear wasn't, wasn't contrived, it was real. But the Democrats realized we can do things with this fear politically that we couldn't do otherwise. And so really, since I came to America in the 70s, it's been one fear-mongering tactic after another. You know, the earth is running out of food, nuclear winter, the ozone layer is dissipating, climate change, now coronavirus. So in every case, a pretext for greater government control and greater centralized authority. Dinesh
1: D'Souza, everybody, check out trumpcardthemovie.com. Coming out this Friday, you can watch it at home. And uh, Dinesh, we're looking forward to hopefully get you back here when uh, Trump. Oh, before that you go, do you, think, do you think Trump and Biden are going to debate again? Is that going to happen? Because Biden's looking like he
3: might try to bail. You know, that's of surprising because I thought that Trump in the debate, at times I thought he was too acerbic, he interrupted too much. I'm like, I wonder how he did. And then I saw the left, you know, shrieking and screaming, no more debates, no more debates. And that told me, well, you know, Trump probably did pretty well and probably scored some points on Biden. I mean, Biden was supposed to be the healer, but the best he could do to Trump is you're a clown, you're a racist, you're a liar. So this guy is uh, is is unhinged. Uh, and I think that the Democrats may be rethinking the second debate, although I, I expect it to happen. I hope it does happen, uh, but who knows?
1: TrumpCardThemovie.com, everyone, out this Friday. Dinesh, thanks again. Great to see you. Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: It's remarkable, you know, among the dumbest people in society now think that they have the most insight into the health of the president, that he uh, is lying to us, his doctors must be lying to us, all of the above. Here's here's AOC trying to give everybody a bit of her medical advice when it comes, or, or her medical assessment, I should say, when it comes to the president of the United States, place 16.
4: The president is not in a good condition. He just was diagnosed with COVID. His his oxygen levels were in perilously low areas over the weekend that were extremely concerning. And then we're supposed to believe that everything is absolutely fine right now when we were receiving conflicting medical reports from both the White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and, uh, and some of the physicians that we were hearing at Walter Reed. Now, I don't think that we should be making any large political decisions when the president is such. It was is in such a perilous uh, in such a perilous medical state. He is still receiving um, interventions and treatments, and we're st- and we're in the middle of uh, talking about and-, and making dramatic decisions. Yeah, so he's just like not really even the president
1: right now. He's just like not even the president. Like it's just like whatever. Like twenty fifth. 25th- you know, constitutional convention or something or whatever. Like, yeah, this is the, the leading light of the young Democrat left folks. The best is the best they've got. Like, I don't want to be mean, but she wants to do things that will kind of ruin your life. So I think we have to be honest about this. And I wonder if they ever get tired of just being wrong all the time. But you- they don't. Ask yourself this. Do they ever get tired of saying things that in retrospect, and I mean retrospect like as of yesterday, are foolish, that they figure out in a 24-hour period, oh, yeah, what I said about the president was nonsense. All weekend we were hearing, oh, his oxygen levels dropped, he's very ill, everyone's very concerned. They ran with that, the panic narrative. Turned out not to be true. So now we get to a place where they're just coming up with Crazy ideas about why he's not really able to make decisions. You know, the guy's taking, you know, in, 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 dexamethasone, which is an, a steroid you could in, you, you inhale, and I think it's an I think you inhale it, and uh, remdesivir, which is an antiviral drug. It's kind of like Tamiflu, but you have to take it through uh, intravenous. But you know, Tamiflu is something you take to deal with uh, to deal with the flu. You have to take in the early stages of it. So what exactly is she saying? Nothing. Garbage. Nonsense. You don't have to really worry about it. You don't have to think about it. But the point is, they'll undermine the president and his ability to be the president in any way they can. And even if tomorrow it sounds what they say today sounds stupid, as long as it has the intended effect for a little while, they're fine with it. As long as it's able to serve the purpose of one news cycle. Great. Doesn't matter. And then there's Shifty Schiff, who is among the scummiest of all fellows in Congress, which is truly saying something. I mean, this guy is a liar, a shameless liar, almost in a category of his own. I mean, there are many in Congress, many Democrats who will just lie to your face and don't care. But Adam Schiff, when you add Russia collusion to all the other stuff that he's pulled off. Remember when he was doing his whole you know, prosecutor routine for Pelosi and that that House impeachment? W- what a sham that whole thing was. He really you know, does have the, the cold, dead eyes of a. Uh, Bottom dwelling shark. You know, that's really what you get from Adam Schiff. And yet voters in California like this guy. They think they think that he's uh he's just great. Here's what here's what he says. He's also trying to make the case that, you know, the president, he's not of sound mind right now. Their candidate is Joe Biden, who goes, bah, 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 you know, and it's nap time for him. Gotta call Lid for the day. But they want to talk about Trump not being of sound mind. That's how Schiff rolls. Play 10.
4: On the best of days, the president's thinking isn't too sound. Uh, so if there's any impairment, uh, it's a real problem. I mean, to me, this harkens back to the president to proudly boasting that he's gonna take responsibility for shutting down the government. Uh, well, he's now proudly uh, taking responsibility for denying the American people help in their time of crisis. Basically, today, Donald Trump told the country, if you're a small business person and you're going under, too bad for you. I'm not gonna bother with it until after the election. If you've lost your job and you're on unemployment compensation and your benefits have run out, that's too bad. That doesn't affect me. Uh, I don't care. Uh, I'll deal with that later. Uh, you know, th- this is uh, so irresponsible when millions are suffering. Uh, and, of course, politically, it makes no sense for him to do either. So it does call him to question uh, his judgment, certainly, but uh, whether he's being impaired by these drugs.
1: This is slimy, shifty shift saying it must be the meds. He's making such crazy decisions. It must be the meds. <laughs> what what a scummy, scummy fellow. The shifty shift is but that's what he, that's what he's telling you. And, and there's a couple of layers here. One, there is no reason to believe that anything. I mean, the president is not on heavy doses of morphine. There's nothing to make anyone believe that he can't make decisions or isn't of sound mind right now. We've seen him. He's been showing up. He's been talking. He's been doing. He's much more lucid than Biden is. Mr. Calling it a lid at 930 in the morning every day. (laughs) I want that. I want the Biden the Biden campaign. Most people call it a vacation. When you wake up, do something for like 30 minutes, then you're like, I'm done. But no, with Trump, it has to all be different. They will say anything. And then on on this uh, aid package because this is uh, getting a lot of attention last 24 hours the president said he would not sign what Pelosi and her crew of little socialists wanted, 2.4 trillion dollars. 2.4 trillion dollars of that's not spending for like the whole budget for next year, that's just for now, just to keep things afloat. And Trump said, "No, we'll give you 1.8 trillion. We will give money for people out of work and support to businesses that are COVID related." We're not going to just plug the holes of Democrat run cities. This is where the real the real conflict is on this. The real uh, friction Democrat run cities. We're not going to just bail them out with taxpayer dollars at the federal level. Sorry. Well, Pelosi and the rest, they're they're combining things that are not related. They love to do this. Pelosi keeps doing this. Now, I'm going to say Trump has not done a good enough job of explaining this to the American people. A lot of you are going to say, Buck, he's playing 5D chess or whatever. No, no. I'm not talking about to Trump voters, okay? He needs to be explaining this to people who aren't yet sold on Trump. That's what this is all about. It should be absolutely clear. It should be glaringly obvious that Nancy Pelosi, once again, she's done this now three different cycles of the Pelosi games. You know, Marie Marie Antoinette style, let them eat cake while Pelosi's in her mansion, doesn't care about what's happening to any of these workers, but then goes on to MSNBC, CNN and pretends. Trump should be clobbering the Democrats on this. He's saying, look, I want it. They wanted to get money to people that are out of work and extend the unemployment benefits in August. We're in October. Democrats have been delaying because they insist on bringing these things, using these things together. And that's not the way this should be done. Right They're They're padding this. They're throwing in their little wish list on top of the actual money that would go to people, the stimulus payments that would go to people uh, so that they can keep paying their bills while they're on lockdown. (sighs) Trump has not made a good a good enough uh, pitch on this one yet. And I'm sorry, we don't do the president any favors. And I know people from the White House listen to this show. Uh, We don't do the president any favors by encouraging a losing strategy on this one he should have owned the news cycle on this for the last 24 hours making sure everybody knows he says he will sign right now 1.8 trillion dollars given to people for their paycheck protection given to people who are unable to open their businesses because of these lockdowns get that money to the economy get it to the american worker right away it's just malpractice not to be winning this argument right now i'm like i know the president's sick i know he's dealing with a lot but folks we are now in the sprint phase of this Contest. We are in the all-out, and we're about to add the ACB nomination next week onto this pile. So it's it's go big or go home time for Trump for the Republicans. This is the whole thing. This is the big show right now. We've got less than four weeks to go here. Time to strap in Shields High.
0: This is the best of Buck Daily Podcast, the top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to bucksexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: Listen to the scientists and obey the law. Two things that you've been told a lot since the COVID pandemic hit by libs who want you to do something. They pick the scientists you're supposed to listen to. It's always Fauci. Hey, it is what the Fauci says. Listen to me, we're all going to die. The truth is, we are we are all, in fact, going to die. Some people don't really accept and understand that, I think, which is why they make the public policy decisions they do. But we're all on borrowed time. We're just not all going to die of covid less than one percent of us, actually, are even at any risk of dying from covid. But nonetheless, we are uh, in the process of ruining the economy and, and ruining large American cities because of all the fear and panic that the Democrats continue to spread. And. Uh, They say that the law is the law and they've taken emergency powers into their hands, which is really an an abuse of the law. Right. This is essentially the break the glass. Okay, doesn't matter what we were saying before. We just got to get everybody out of the building because it's on fire. Except they've been doing that since March. So we've been in in this emergency state in in different uh, places across the country for many, many months, which is, you know, this is a little bit like. Oh, everybody, you got to empty out of this area. There's a hurricane coming. And then it's like, well, we're going to declare martial law just for a week. Actually, it's going to be until we say it stops. That's what's going on. They just keep extending it. And the greatest example of this, I think you can point to, although Cuomo is probably number one and then Newsom. Number three is Michigan. Governor Whitmer, who at one point was being talked about by the uh, Democrat media as a possible late stage presidential, you know, who knows? Maybe she'll be the VP. Right. That was what was being discussed for a while. Uh, they say they say the law is the law. Right. So Cuomo, for example, says you have to wear a mask. I don't even know in public now, which does that even mean outside? It's not clear to me, but I think it means yes. But I, I don't. And I've already said, I mean, I'm I, team. I might get arrested over this at some point. I'm not going to be obviously rude to the NYPD. It's not their fault that they're enforcing this stuff. But I'm not wearing a mask walking outside by myself. There are lines. I am drawing a line. Uh, And, you know, this is this is where you start to say, well, nullification of the law is the next step here. But we're not supposed to have one person who's making decisions about everything, whether it's your ability to leave your house, your First Amendment rights, your freedom of worship, your freedom of, of, of speech based upon what they claim are the most important health determinations for us. But that's what's happening. And then they say, well, it's the law. you got to obey the law. The law is the law. And as we all know from the history of this country, there there are laws that are unjust. That does happen. And laws have to change sometimes. Just because something is the law doesn't mean that it's right. And now you get into some deeper philosophical discussions. But Governor Whitmer, who has been saying, you have to do this because I say so, and therefore it is the law, has had to figure out, oh, wait a second. Turns out the court, the Supreme Court for the State of Michigan, has said no in fact what she is doing is wrong play clip one this is how she responds
5: as a result of this action of the court's action the legislature's action our covid 19 cases could likely go up there will be uncertainty there will be disruption and possibly greater risk to our economy to our loved ones possibly more people quarantined and more fatalities we've seen that happen elsewhere what this ruling does not mean is that the orders I issued violated the law. Although I disagree with the court's conclusion, they held the law, the 1945 law, unconstitutional, meaning that that legislature 75 years ago didn't have the authority to extend these types of powers to a governor. The court made it clear that I had interpreted this law correctly and utilized my powers.
1: Yeah. So she likes being a little dictator and she found a statute that allowed her to be a dictator because she doesn't care about the freedom she's infringing upon. But the court came along and said, well, even if that is, in fact, the law, guess what? It's still wrong. And that's where we are. We need to start embracing that idea much more broadly here, because all you have from these Democrat governors is I make the law. I am the law. Well, sorry, actually, the Constitution is the law, the amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. That's also the law. Some little pissant state official doesn't get to decide that the Constitution doesn't count because, in the case of Cuomo, he's desperate to cover up grotesque ineptitude that caused a lot of people to die who would not have died otherwise. So now we're starting. We're finally seeing the pushback. It happened in Pennsylvania, where a judge said this is unconstitutional. These lockdowns that you have uh, in place here. What was it, Governor Wolf? There, right? And uh, it's happened now in Michigan. It's taken a while. The courts don't work very quickly all the time, unless it's a Trump thing. And then the Ninth Circuit, it's like the Ninth Circuit just stays up late at night waiting for some Trump executive order that they can strike down only to have the Supreme Court say Trump's allowed to do that. What are you lunatics doing? Well, they don't mind because they're they're hashtag resistance. It's not about the law. It's about being hashtag resistant. So that's what they do. And Whitmer in, in the the kind of sanctimony that you continue to see from Democrats who I keep telling you, be prepared for this. They will never admit that they're wrong. They'll never admit that what they've done is unconstitutional, is, uh, was counterproductive and incredibly destructive. They'll never admit it. doesn't matter what the data says. doesn't matter if we find out, you know, in six months. Nope, they don't care. So this is, oh, yeah, Governor Whitmer. Oh, she, oh gosh, yeah, she's just like, I'm never, I'm going to keep you healthy. Oh, sure, play two.
5: So while the Supreme Court has spoken, and while I vehemently disagree with the conclusion, now is the time for the Republicans in the legislature to come back to town and start showing that they take this crisis seriously too. I'm ready to work with the legislature, but I'm never going to negotiate when it comes to doing the right thing and protecting the people's health. This is a deadly virus that still poses a very real threat. It still preys on our most vulnerable populations. And as your governor, I will continue to use every tool at my disposal to combat COVID-19.
1: Oh, yeah, she's going to combat COVID-19. Sure she is. Oh, gosh. You know, she was the one that said that you couldn't go from one house you owned to another house you owned. That was not allowed. That was a that was a Whitmer rule during this whole thing. Nope, not allowed. Sorry. Oh, oh, Really? And then her husband, you remember this? Her husband was the one that was trying to pressure an official to let, uh, let, her, um, let him take their family boat out sooner than everybody else could. Like, don't you know who my wife is kind of a thing? Wasn't that Whitmer, if I recall? I think it was. So, yeah, more hypocrisy, more stupidity, but always going to take the position that they're doing, they're doing what's right. They're doing what is keeping us all safe. Speaking of keeping us safe, we'll be talking more about the debate later. Biden's trying to back out. Why would he want to back out if he did such a good job and they thought their internal polling for the Biden campaign looked so strong after this? Why wouldn't Joe Biden uh, immediately want to jump into round two and and get even more voters to get fired up about him, right? No, instead, what we have is Biden using Trump's COVID as an excuse. Play six.
2: I think what they're doing at the Harris debate is i'm told i don't know this for a fact they're using plexiglass and they're following what the cleveland clinic says people having to be tested like i was tested today again is negative i don't know what uh, exactly what the rules are going to be and i'm not sure that uh what president trump is all about now i don't know what his status is i'm looking forward to being able to debate him well, I just hope all the protocols are followed, which necessary at the time. I think if he still has COVID, we shouldn't have a debate. Uh,
1: Why can't they uh, social distance enough and wear you know, make separate them by 40 feet on stage and have them wear a mask. Right. Shouldn't is shouldn't that be sufficient? We're always told that's all, all you have to do. And it's really six feet. They tell you wear a mask, six feet. Right. Wouldn't that be enough? Now, will they wear a mask during the debate? Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? But then have a virtual debate. That's another way you could do this. But we should hear from the president again, because here's what needs to happen for sure. Trump has to force Biden to evade on packing the Supreme Court statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. And how about some immigration discussion, too? I understand immigration has completely fallen off the policy radar for most folks right now because there's no travel between countries, really very little, if any. Uh, So we don't think about it. But that doesn't mean that it's not still a massive issue. And the moment that we go back to any kind of normal world, there's not going to be the issue of amnesty, which is that if Biden and the Democrats push that through, it's all over, folks. The The Republican Party is finished. So that's all they really have to accomplish. Then every you lose if you lose on amnesty, you'll lose on every other issue after it. It won't matter. It won't make a difference. Um, but that's why the president does need to have an opportunity, I think, to push Biden on these issues. And we'll have to see if, if he even gets that chance. He's going to be healthy enough for the debate. The issue is whether or not Biden just decides this is all the, uh, their whole campaign is don't give it you know, Biden Harris. Don't give any real answers on questions. Stick to the talking points. Trump is Hitler. They would save everybody from the virus. And, you know, there were no riots this summer. Vote for us. That's basically their campaign pitch. And the media lets them get away with it. It's appalling, but they do. You would think that journalists just to get more viewers and to build a little credibility for their make believe. Oh, we're just the real journos out there. You'd think that they would spend some time. But now, no, they don't care. They don't care. They're activists, folks. They want an outcome here. And the outcome is Biden and Harris winning.